Shareable is part of C-Suite Radio. I'm going to go out on a limb here and say that this either is or will become your favorite podcast. This is Shareable, the podcast so good, you got to tell someone about it. I'm your host, Jeff Gibbard. In every episode, I talk with someone about the impact that people and technology have had on their career and their lives. So, let's get to it. Hello, and welcome back to the smooth sounds of Jeff Gibbard's voice on Shareable, the podcast about people and technology. Today, I get to speak with Travis Wright. Travis is the CMO of CCP Digital, and he is also a sought-after keynote speaker for his insights about marketing technology in the world around us. He's also the author of a brand new book called Digital Sense, which I strongly suggest that you pick up because it is jam-packed with knowledge and awesome sauce. He's also the podcast host of VB Engage on VentureBeat. It's a damn good podcast, and I strongly suggest that you listen to it and subscribe to it after listening to this very shareable episode of Shareable. Welcome back to the show. Who are you and what do you do? Who am I? Yeah, who are you? I I am Travis Wright. How are you doing, folks? All the folks that are listening, I have Travis Wright on the line. So, Travis, tell people what you do, though, if you can summarize that in less than 45 minutes. (laughs) What do I do in less than 45 minutes? Well, I am multifaceted. I actually just wrote a book called Digital Sense. So that's by Wiley. So it's an official hardbound book. So legitimately an author, actually. And uh, I'm also a marketing technologist. I have my own digital agency called ccp.digital based out of Kansas City. And uh, so we do a lot of different things around content marketing, content advertising, creation of content. We do marketing technology consultation where we help people figure out which tools and technologies they might need. Uh, We also do uh, paid search and social advertising. And uh, you know what? I speak uh, every now and again, uh, you know, on stages around the world, talking about the things around the interwebs. Travis, you're one of my absolute favorite people, and I say that completely honestly uh, for so many reasons. But well, thank you. N- n- not the least of which is that you're the only person I've ever seen get on stage and use flash paper in a speech <laughs> about social media and content right. marketing and marketing yes. technology. <laughs> That's fun to do. So I, I have people who have told me. Uh, are you Penn Jillette? You look like Penn Jillette. And then some people said, wow, Travis, you sound like Penn Jillette. And I'm like, no, I'm Travis Wright, not Penn Jillette, but here's a magic trick. <laughs> Is that where it all started? You, just to confuse you further. Yeah, I was actually, I was the global uh, digital strategist at Norton for the uh, for Semantic. And um, <laughs> I went to, they had me go to a, well, the paid media team partnered with ESPN. They had the Super Bowl party in 2013. And I had to go on stage and introduce CeeLo uh, Green. And because everybody else was terrified to get up on stage. And so I did it. And then afterwards, I had like, I don't even know, almost maybe 10 people think I was Penn Jillette. And so I actually even signed a couple of autographs. So, okay, okay, I'm Penn Jillette. You got me. <laughs> so. If you want my autograph, it will sometimes say Pendulette, but not seriously. That's fantastic. I kind of wonder if Pendulette ever signs his name Travis Wright. He did tweet me one time. I go, uh, I was on the phone and I said, uh, I was talking to this call rep and she goes, oh my God, you sound like Pendulette. Have you ever been told that? I was like, are you serious? So now I look like him and I sound like him. So I tweeted that and Pendulette tweeted back to me. He said, at TW, you lucky bastard. <laughs> 
I had, that, I had that going for me. Nice. All right. Well, Travis, I want to start somewhere that I think will be uh, incredibly interesting to start with you. It's a question I ask all of my guests, and it helps to set the stage. I want to know how you use the internet, and I'm especially curious to hear your answer on this because I know that you're like, you, you are one of the technologists I know that goes so much deeper on anything that I could ever imagine. So how do you use the internet? Are you an early adopter, a late adopter? Are you big on social search, email, everything? What's your deal? So I like to, uh, you know, there's a, there's a quote by Wayne Gretzky that said, I like to skate to where the puck is heading, not to where the puck is right now. So I've always sort of adopted that even early on in the nineties. Right. So I really got online, uh, full on back in like 95, 96, when I was at school at the university of Kansas and uh, I got one of their computer lab and the internet was smoking fast there. And I was like, wow, this is amazing. And I, I got on this website called WBS.net. And it was the world broadcasting service of the internet. It was phenomenal. There were all these different chat rooms and chat groups and all these different segments of people throughout the world and had some hilarious conversations on that. And that was actually my first real experience online was jumping into this chat room that was completely fascinating. And that was a time around, you know, Austin Powers was out. And so, you know, we could literally share images in this chat room because our internet service was so good. And so I was doing animated gif gifs whatever you want to call them and uh, of austin powers doing little dances and we were like you know trolling people that were being silly in the group and ended up making some amazing friends inside this group that i didn't know any of them before and so i'm still friends with some of them actually on facebook from those days which is pretty funny and and so my first real experience of being online was a sort of social interaction and and then go.com bought wbs.net and then they ended up shutting it down and so um but after having been online for about 36 hours, um, I said, you know what? I need to build my own website. I need to learn how this works because I was doing stand-up comedy at the time. And so I, under I, I figured out how HTML worked within my first 36 hours of being online. I had built my first website. And I said, wow, this is awesome stuff. How does this all work? And it really just sort of took over as a passion because I was doing comedy. I still do comedy. I'm just not nearly as funny as I think I am. And so that, that's indicated by crowd responses. And so I said, I better figure out this internet stuff because I don't think I'm going to get a star on the Hollywood Walk of Fame. So what I've used, what I've used, uh, you know, uh, internet for is is to learn, to level up my skills, and to build relationships with people who are doing epic shit, right? And so you can't do epic shit with basic people. So I realized early on I want to connect with lots of awesome people and learn from them. And you know, the same thing like you're doing with your podcast. You know, I've I've done podcasting since 2006 when I started doing podcasting with a website called Cultivate Greatness, and I love interviewing really smart people, people who are more intelligent than me in areas that I'm not intelligent about, so we can gleam and share knowledge, right? And so that sounds like that's some of the, what you're doing with this new Shareable podcast is connecting with awesome people. Uh, somehow though, I I snuck in, <laughs> but uh, other other than that, you know, I think that's that's part of it is like you use the internet to grow, to learn, to research, to understand. And then I'm always seeing where things are headed and I'm starting to position myself at least working towards understanding where it's headed and gaining those skills needed to be relevant when that time arrives. So, so much there. Uh, lots and of one, stuff. Yeah, lots of stuff. I mean, it's one a commercial of, break now. I, I, I was before we started uh, our, our talk today, I told my producer, I was like, yo, Travis is like. 
He, he's like, uh, you know how like oxygen is compressed in tanks? I was like, this 30-minute episode is going to feel like an hour and a half. You're going to have to play it back in slow-mo just to catch it all. So, so, but so much stuff there. You know, one, yes, part of the reason for this podcast is I love picking the brains of incredible people that do awesome shit. And you know about so many different things. I mean, for, for those of you who have not picked up a copy of Digital Sense yet, this is not just a shameless plug for Travis's book. But, like, it's legit one of the most overwhelming tables of contents I've ever seen in my life in a book. Uh, it's just so jam-packed with awesome sauce that, um, that you really should check it out. And it's a lot like what this interview is like, is that you just have so much to offer. The, um, so, obviously, yes, the first thing for me is that I, I love this because it can connect me to great people. And that allows me to pick their brains, learn about how technology and people have impacted their lives. So, you kind of just touched on this, but I want to lead a little bit more specifically into how the internet has impacted your career. Now, you've had, you know, you talked about kind of the early days, what got you into it, what got you excited, the skills you took on, but you've had some very, very um, seminal experiences that have shifted the trajectory of your career, one of which being your, your little spat with the Chiefs that a lot of people know about. But beyond that, which I think that's a good one just to leave as, as, uh, you, if you want to give it like 30 seconds, give people the high level, but you know, I want to know more about what, what happened as a result of the internet and technologies and something specifically that changed forever the, the, the course of your career, the technology that made that possible. Talk to me a bit about that. Right. So, well, let me go, let me take it back to then the mid 2000s. So I was working on a startup uh, called Atticus. And ADIQ US was the name of the uh, the startup, and we were we had just been approved. I guess we, I guess it was in 07, 07, early 08, when we got approved for half a million dollars in funding. And the then that next day or shortly thereafter, we get a knock on the door from the FBI saying that the capital of the investment firm or the principal of the investment firm got arrested for a uh, Finra stock market violation, similar to what Martha Stewart had happened to her, right? So he goes to prison and we don't get any funding. I had already trained my replacement at the Tech Institute where I was the lead web, de web developer and uh, web dev and web design uh, lead trainer where I was teaching the students how all this stuff works. And, and so I was like, wow, so now I have no job and now I have no funding. So I got really drunk that night. And uh, <clears throat> through the next day, so I felt really sorry for myself. And then the next day through my hangover, I said, well, I said, I can either be a victim and cry about it and whine and bitch, or I can be the victor and start staking my own claim to, you know, my own life and, and make shit happen anyway, even though this didn't happen. It can happen. Let maybe we're just putting it on the shelf for a while. And so I set up a digital agency, um, uh, Advangel, and then I started working on some cool clients and then picked up and started working with, uh, you know, got the got the job at Semantic, and uh, you know things went from there. But one of the things that I made a conscious decision when that happened in 0708 was, look, Twitter is huge. I love Twitter. I can build relationships with people outside of Kansas City. And right now, in 06 or 06 through 08, I only had real relationships in Kansas City. I hadn't I hadn't expanded outside of my my local market, and so that that hurt me in a lot of ways. And so what I said was, is like, hmm. I'm a personable guy. I'm an authentic person. I like to, to connect with awesome people. So I'm going to spend a portion of my existence building relationships with epic people in the space and really connecting with people. And so 
I, I jokingly called that business relationship optimization, which I call bro, right? So I did some business relationship optimization using Twitter and Twitter has been instrumental in my career to connect and all the opportunities that have popped up as a result of that. I wrote an article, I'm not gonna go too deep into this, but I wrote an article called What I Learned from Growing and Unfollowing 250,000 People on Twitter. I wrote that on Marketing Land. I read it, it was awesome by the way. Did you like that story? Yeah, it Thank was you. awesome, really awesome. Yeah, well it sort of laid through the, the, the groundwork of how I approached social media and how I used it to gain thought leadership and to you know connect and build relationships with the right people and start working with awesome people and, and and do epic things with epic people and so social media has been really huge for that and you know I've always loved Twitter as a as a result of that they're having some problems right now they're being I've noticed a lot of the social media sites right now they're being they're, they're being a little heavy-handed with censoring of dissenting points of view regardless of which side of the spectrum that you you know, are on, um, it seems as if those who are on the right side of the spectrum are getting censored more heavily these days than ever before. And uh, I'm not necessarily on that side, but it's really interesting to see how dissenting opinions are being silenced and in social media, not only on Twitter, but also on Reddit, also on Google and even Facebook. So it's concerning in some of the ways where social media is trending um, in that area, but I'm, I'll always be a big fan of Twitter. It's been really huge in my career. So let me, I, before I move on past that, I want to, you said something interesting. I want to touch on that and get your opinion on it. So I think it's interesting that what's happening right now in social media with these sort of dissenting opinions could be perceived as limiting free speech, et cetera, et cetera. But in some cases, these are people that are harassing, abusing, threatening. So there's a lot of different levels to it, especially if you look at what's happening on Trump or, or on Reddit with, with Trump. Uh, a lot of the supporters, the alt-right, these things, they, they've gone and kind of taken over the site. So it's not like they've stayed in their nice little corner and had their views where they talk amongst each other, but instead have kind of leached out into that. Same thing on Twitter, right or left, doesn't matter. You've got people that are being extremely vocal, not just with their opinions, but using those opinions and mobilizing people to harass and intimidate others. So at what point do you think there's that line between free speech or harassment and threats? Um, and is that something that you think any of these sites are capable of dealing with either through automation and algorithms or through human review? Well, it's, it's a good question. And, you know, we can bitch about the problem or we can look to solve us, find a solution for the problem. Right. And I always find myself in that bucket. It's like, you know what, I'll, I'll think about things for a while and then I'll say, well, what can I do to impact the change to this, to make it, to make it actually work. And so I wrote an article uh, in December on Huffington Post where I really talked about what happened on in my perspective with WikiLeaks and the Russian hacks and Trump and Clinton and the Podesta emails and Julian Assange and all that, and sourced it heavily. There was 40 to 50 different sourced links in that article. And a team of data scientists reached out to me and said, hey, we're looking to solve the problem around this fake news thing. Because right now, well, one thing that most people don't understand is that, and this is really this is really important, is in 2012 in the, uh, the National Defense Authorization Act, Congress passed a thing called the Smith-Munt Modernization Act, and Munt, M-U-N-D-T. They passed this Modernization Act of this of this um, this law from two thousand or from nineteen forty eight, which said um, they repealed the ban on the use of domestic propaganda within the U.S. on U.S. citizens. They repealed that in two thousand twelve. So, knowing from two thousand thirteen to, to now that 
the government news media can't legally lie to us. The intelligence communities can legally lie to us and tell us mistruths to get us to believe what they want us to believe. That's a problem because then when they call things fake news, to me, that makes me go, hmm, if they can legally create fake news with the Smith Modernization Act, and now they're calling those guys fake news, then that tells me there is, there's some truth in what they're pointing at these guys that they're calling them fake news. There's probably truth there. So I'm going to go dive in and explore. And so that's been a problem, right? And so what we have now is this whole thing going on within social media, in the media, what's real, what's not real. And then, you know, anybody who doesn't, you know, agree necessarily with, with certain groups of people, they become demonized. And it's really interesting to sort of watch it all play out. And so I'm trying to figure out a way to, to solve that problem. And that, and we're working on a solution on a, on a stealth startup that's coming out here shortly that's going to uh, hopefully solve some of that. Cool. Well, I'll be excited to talk about it once it comes out of the shadows and hear more about it. I think you have a tremendous amount to say about technology. It's obvious that you're super fluent in it. Everything that I've seen you present, everything I've read of yours, it's like technology has obviously been a huge enabling factor in your career and in your life. But I want to talk a little bit more about that other overlapping feature. As you mentioned when you talked about Twitter, that it enabled you, the technology enabled you to connect with people and that there are people that you were able to expand your circle, to learn from, to educate yourself, to expand your reach, to open up opportunities. Um, you know, you can easily point back to 15 different technological experiences in your life that impacted you. Can you point to a couple experiences with individual people that you either met as a consequence of technology or even just mentors in your early life? Who are some people or experiences you've had with individuals that have impacted the, the pathway of your life or your career? Oh, absolutely. So there's, there's one story that I actually, I, I touched on uh, in the, uh, the Twitter article on Marketing Land where, so before Twitter did, used to not have lists, the capabilities to, 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 once you can start curating people in the list, I started taking advantage of that pretty heavily. And one of the lists that I created, I called um, uh, Brilliant Tech Women, right? So I still have the list on my Twitter. It's Brilliant Tech Women. And really what that was, initially when I set it up, I was like, oh, wow, that is a beautiful woman. And she is in tech. I'm putting her in Brilliant Tech Women list <laughs> just so I can monitor that. <laughs> and I was like, because I didn't want to be too, uh, you know, I was not trying to be sexist about it. I was just like, wow, there are so many beautiful, brilliant women in technology. This is amazing. So I made a list. And uh, one of the people that I put in the list was, um, this was like an 08 or 09, uh, was Mia Dan. And Mia Dan, and I would always just sort of monitor the list and, and, just like, and just interact. And then one of my buddies that I've known for since like the 90s, uh, Chris Zakharoff, he was was with me when I was working on my first startup, uh, Method Laboratories, back in the day, and um, actually inspired him to start learning how to code. And now he's one of the top front-end JavaScript um, marketing architects in the world. Uh, he's done some amazing stuff with some phenomenal companies. And he was at Semantic at the time. And uh, Mia had reached out to Chris and said, hey, who do you know that uh, is like is like you who could come in and help us on the marketing and the digital team? And he goes, oh, you need to meet my friend, Travis Wright. She's like, Travis Wright, why does that name ring a bell? And then she noticed that I, we were connected on Twitter. I'd put her on this list. And then I got the interview. We had already connected. And so it was almost like I asked, kissed it forward four years in advance, brown nosing uh, in advance, didn't even realize that that, that that was even a possibility and uh, got the job at Semantic uh, on the global uh, the digital strategy team, which was awesome. Wow, that's huge. Yeah. It's been it's been pretty phenomenal all the different things that's popped up and the different opportunities that have popped up specifically around 
uh, Twitter. Now, another one that happened was in 2011. And to this day, I don't know how it happened, but LG Mobile reached out to me in LG Mobile reached out to me in December of 2010 and said, hey, would you like to come to CES with us and be one of our, you know, social media presence there at, at CES? And I was like, dude, that sounds awesome. Yeah. So somebody recommended that I come and, do, and I don't even know how or why. And while I was there, I connected with uh, Arnold uh, Aranez, who is at Mr. Gadget on Twitter, and uh, King Mung Lee, who is at Mr. Brown on Twitter. And we were in Vegas for the 2011 CES, right? And we had an amazing, epic time, met all kinds of awesome people. Well, then in 2015, uh, Arnold uh, moved to Hong Kong and the Huawei um, uh, head of influencers over there, uh, Walter Jennings, connected with uh, Arnold and asked him to be part of the uh, the Huawei influencer group. And that's H-U-A-W-E-I. That's the uh, third largest phone manufacturer in the world. Uh, they're, they do they do a lot of really interesting stuff. They're, they're a huge, huge company over in China. And uh, so I ended up becoming the first international key opinion leader for Huawei uh, because I had connected to this guy at, at CES in 2011 and somebody had connected me to, to LG Mobile. And I don't even know how that happened. And, and so it's funny how the dots get connected and you have these little destiny checkpoints in life. And if you go one way, things turn out one way. If you go another way, things turn out another way. And I've had so many of those in my life, these little destiny checkpoints. And most of the time I, I seem like I've, I've made the right choice. So um, a lot of good stuff can happen for you if you put yourself out there. And you know what, just, just also as a result of that article that I wrote on Huffington Post about the fake news stuff, I, there was no business, you know, thoughts in my mind. I'm just like, dude, I got all these things going on in my head. I just got to get them out. I'm, I, I'm not going to hold them anymore. I'm going to write this one article and I'm done. And then boom, it turns into an opportunity where I'm a startup. I'm a co-founder in this startup that's 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 going to do some amazing things to help uh, combat this and grade. Every journalist in the world is going to have a score. Every piece of content in the world, every, every uh, publication in the world is going to have an authentication score of how much bullshit and how much fake news it is, how legit it is, how many sources they're using, what are the quality of their sources, what is the quality of their content overall. Um, really exciting to see how we're going to put all this thing together. It's pretty cool. It, it, I mean, I don't want to go too deep into it. It sounds a little bit like uh, PolitiFact meets Snopes meets uh, some sort of algorithm or whatever. But the, the one thing I wanted to say that I think is super interesting is that I've had a couple of these uh, episodes so far and, and, you know, in coming up with how I want to ask people about these two factors in their life, technology and people, um, what, what's happened a lot of the time, especially even when I'm chatting with friends, is that they become somewhat separate. So like people talk about a technology that impact them and then they talk about a person, like a mentor, somebody that, that had some sort of an impact on them. And, and what's fascinating about the way that you talk about it is that there's like almost no distinction between the two for you. When you talk about technology, you talk about people. And when you talk about people, you talk about technology. And it's almost like to you there's, there's an invisible – there's almost no line whatsoever between those two things for you. Technology is merely a conduit to meet more people, to do more cool stuff. And people are like a conduit – uh, or, or, you know, you just use technology to meet people. It's fascinating that you're like one of the, the few that so far has kind of fused those two together, which I think is a really interesting point. Well, it is. It's, it's fascinating. That's, I mean, I live in Kansas City. I've never lived in San Francisco. I've never lived in New York. I have lived in Monterey, California, right? I was in, I was in the U.S. Army in the, 
uh, Defense Language Institute as a uh, as a Russian linguist and military intelligence in 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 uh, Monterey. But I never lived in in the Bay Area. I never worked in Silicon Valley. I never had any connections in there. Whenever I got out of the army, I came back home and lived in Kansas City. So that's what's been so huge about technology is that it is has enabled me to reach out to people who I've never been able to connect with. I mean, you're in Philadelphia, right? And without technology and social media, uh, I would have never have spoke at the social media strategy summit. I would have never met you. Uh, and you know, so I sort of look at technology as a vehicle to connect me to interesting people. To how how can I add value in other people's lives? It's not all about me. It's like what can I do to help help others? And you know, technology is a great conduit for that. I've I've had nothing but success when it comes to utilizing technology in building relationships. It's it's ever present in social selling. It's ever present in marketing. You're trying to build relationships with your customers. HR. Right. Social media is very prevalent when you're trying to vet employees or you're trying to maybe hire new employees, customer service. Right. You're you're interacting with you're interacting with your customers that may or may not be happy with you right now. Your C-suite, they might need social media to build their, you know, share their thoughts on, on social media. So, you know, in social and technology, there are a lot of things. There are a lot of connective points between building relationships and using technology uh, and, and helping grow those relationships. And so, you know what, I, I explore that because I know that, you know, if, if, if we could take my mind and my ideas and I can connect them to somebody else who has some other great ideas and maybe needs my perspective on things, you know, I, I don't know if you remember those commercials back in the eighties or nineties of BASF. They're like, we're BASF. We don't make a lot of the products that you buy. We make a lot of the products you buy better. And so my mind has this sort of optimization aspect to it. So most anytime somebody gives me a problem or something, any client, they're trying to solve something, I'm able to think about it. Give me 24 to 48 hours and my brain will start cycling through. What if they do this? What about this? So, you know, I can use technology in ways to, to help people and help organizations and just not only that, but just different solutions because of all of my experience now in this 20 years of having been online. So you have a lot of experience in this short episode that we've been talking so far. You've listed off like four or five different failures. You've listed off a whole shitload of different uh, successes. Uh, you've talked about being in all these different industries and all, like just all sorts of stuff. What's something that if you could just go back to early days of Travis and you could pass along one lesson to yourself, one thing that that if you could pass it along to your old self and maybe somebody listening to this could avoid years of all the shit that you may have gone through, what's something you could go back and tell yourself that you think would have made your life easier, better, further along, whatever? Mm. Well, you know, I think we all have this sort of internal voice inside of our head that, you know, either can help inspire us to move forward or can sort of talk negative to us that we, like, we can't do this, we can't do that. So I grew up with a stepdad who, was, you know, he was very vocal in how worthless I was. <laughs> and so he would say all these things all the time. Like he would always call me names. I'm like, dude, really? I'm like, I have really awesome grades. I don't know why you're such a jerk right now, dude, but okay. And you know what? I think I've always sort of used that to kind of fuel me. It's like, dude, really? I'm, I, watch this, watch this, watch me now, watch this. But I think in an earlier days, you know, I, I maybe didn't have that confidence. I didn't have the uh, wherewithal to just to be vulnerable to be myself just to you know to be authentically me right now what you see on this podcast you're hearing you're going to hear this if you're talking to me uh you know at a dinner or if we're chatting at a conference or if I'm up on stage I'm pretty much the same guy right 
But I think when I was a little bit older or a little bit younger, uh, you know, back in the day, I maybe tried to be a chameleon more where I'm trying to fit into things and try to, oh, people like this. So I'm going to try to act like that. Whereas eventually I just said, you know what? I am who I am and I'm me and there's not too many people like me. So I'm going to embrace it and I'm going to learn as much as I can about everything that interests me. And uh, I'm going to keep going and growing. That's what's up, man. That I think that's great advice. We've actually heard, you know, uh, one of the previous guests, uh, Denise Lee Yan, she also talked about vulnerability and being yourself and having the willingness to do that as being kind of a crucial component. So strongly, strongly agree with that. Um, so you're, you're somebody who I look to and say, you're somebody with your finger on the pulse. So if like, if I had a marketing technology question, legit, like not buttering you up, you are the person I would call. Um, and, and when I hear people complaining about their technology stack, I always hear you in my head that time that we went and visited LinkedIn and we were talking about the Salesforce stack and the Oracle stack and how like so many of them are just not yet where they should be. So you mm -hmm. are legitimately someone who I, I come back to and I think this is somebody who's ahead of the curve that yeah. skating, skating to the thing. So that was, a they, fun, that was a fun trip when we went to LinkedIn. That, that was wasn't. freaking fantastic. It was, that was, it awesome. was a blast. But um, I, I want to get your take on this particular thing. There, there's a future in front of us that you're constantly trying to be there before it gets there. What do yep. you think the skill of the future is? What's the thing that everybody that's coming out of school right now or that's in school right now should know and be working on? Mm, well, it's interesting because, you know, in the next three to five years, 5G technology is coming and we're all going to have 20 to 40 gigabit connection to our every device that we have connected to the Internet of Things. That's crazy. That is basically 20 to 40 Google Fibers, right? And I have Google Fiber at my house, and right now I'm only getting 100 megabits a second instead of 1,000 megabits a second, right? So, But imagine that times, it's going to be huge, right? Now, we're also getting so advanced when it comes to AI and machine and deep learning. And, and so there are already a bunch of technologies already popping out. Like one technology is called Rank Science. Rank Science is a tool that basically is going to eliminate the on-site SEO person because it takes the content on the page, it's automatically optimizing it all the time, doing A-B testing and finding out which content is best where, and, and then as it ranks, it's growing, and then, and then it gets to a certain point, I'm like, all right, this page is pretty much fully optimized, right? So there's you're gonna take, there's gonna be all these areas of the marketing world that is going to eliminate the need for people, right? There's another company out called Amplero, and Amplero is doing some really interesting stuff around automating sort of advertising and marketing campaigns, right? It's doing a lot of crazy stuff for us. There's other tools out there that are using, you know, programmatic and AI and machine learning. And so, you know, becoming familiar with, with some of those things are going to be very important to understand how they're working. And I think that that's, that's it's, it's, it's very fascinating to me just because it's such a nascent space. It's so, it's so new right now where we're talking about chatbots and now, you know, you have Siri and Alexa and, you know, Google Now and all these other ones that are that are popping up and Cortana. And so there's that and there's chatbots and there's AI and machine learning. And those are areas that are going to impact marketing in ways that people don't even understand yet. There's going to be a lot of people that are going to become irrelevant over time due to the fact that, you know, machine learning and, you know, AI is going to do the jobs for you. So it's going to maybe tap us back into being able to tap into our creative side of things more so than before, potentially. But I would say, where are things headed? Where would you focus on? 
if you if I was in school right now, knowing that Gen Z, the beginning of Gen Z is is 20 years old right now, right? And you've heard how big millennial marketing has been. Oh, millennials, 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 millennials. Well, guess what? They're starting to be pushed out and it's going to be Gen Z, Gen Z, Gen Z, Gen Z. So me thinking ahead, I bought Gen Z marketer.com inside Gen Z, Gen Z TV, Gen Z girls, Gen Z guys, Gen Z gamer, Gen Z, uh, you know, all kinds of different things around Gen Z because I have two Gen Z kids and I see that they're, they're interacting and they love doing videos and making that stuff. So I'm like, you know what? I want to sort of help them think about how they might be able to become a, a mogul in the space if they so choose, because guess what? Nobody's owned Gen Z yet. And so there's, there's an opening for that. That's coming three to five years. 5G is coming soon. Right now, AI, uh, machine learning is really prevalent. So understanding how that's impacting marketing, I think is pretty huge. It's hilarious that like I ask you for one skill and you're like, here's 15 things. <laughs> here's, here's what everything. <laughs> yeah. What's one thing that everyone should what do? You're like, they should probably be paying attention to Gen well, Z AI, probably... uh, artificial machine learning and bots and messengers and coding. It's so, okay. So a lot of different things. Apparently. There's a lot of shit going on, Jeff. So it's hard to make it just one. All right, fair point, fair point. All right, so you ready for the uh, the rapid fire round? Sure. Rapid fire round. What are the apps in your dock right now? What are the apps in my dock on my phone right now? Yeah. Uh, well, just on my dock, on my phone, well, I keep the phone, and then I actually have a, a folder with all my messaging uh, apps, and then uh, Chrome, and then the camera. It's on my, so, uh, so wait, you've got the messaging folder, the camera? Yep, Chrome. Chrome. My phone. Yeah. And your phone. I can tell you it was right there. See? Fascinating. You're the, yeah, you're the first one with uh, with a folder in there that I've asked. Okay. Yeah, I, got a, I got all of them in there. I got Messenger, WhatsApp, Messenger, Viber, WeChat, Duo, Slack, Hangouts, Allo. I got them all in there. It's amazing. You are going to be my favorite person to ask this next question to because I can almost see uh -oh. your head exploding. Uh -oh. No, your head's going to effing explode because okay, okay. in the same way that I asked you for one important skill of the future and you gave me like 15 – uh, what's the one application, mobile, desktop, or web that you couldn't live without? You just had to keep it to one. What is the one mobile application that I couldn't live without? Mobile, desktop, or web. It doesn't matter. It's just an, an application. Web. Okay. Well, I would probably say, I'd probably say Google Chrome because of all the extensions that are available and the act, all the information. I'd say Google Chrome probably be the one that I couldn't live without. All right. Fair point. Uh, all social sites are deleted tomorrow and you King ruler TW get to choose which one lives on forever. Everyone else, every other social media site is destroyed except this one. It's the only one left, which is the it. only one left. Yeah. Ah, is it the one that I'm building? It no, it could be, but it should it be, be one that already exists, <laughs> but, uh, one left and okay. you get to choose. I would probably say, you know what, then if that's the case, then I'd say probably Twitter. Love it. Screw you and your Facebook family pictures, guys. You're on Twitter now. Hilarious. <laughs> uh, okay, so I'm going to, to uh, provide a caveat for this question, but I want to ask you, what's the one book that every business person should read? Of course, assuming that Digital Sense is the first one that they pick up, but what's the one business book every business person should read? Or one book. It doesn't have to be business. The, book. What's one, the one book, book that's had the biggest impact in my life is uh, Think and Grow Rich by Beautiful. Napoleon Hill. Love Think and Grow Rich by Napoleon Hill. Now, he was an interesting guy. He, uh, uh, you know, the story about Andrew Carnegie and how he went to go interview him. And then he stayed for a few days and then 
Andrew Carnegie gave him a task of going and interviewing the most successful people on the world and ask them why they are successful to figure out if there is a science of achievement. And he put together that art, that book, and then he's got the laws of the 16 laws of success. That actually is huge. If you ever see my business card or my image that's on my LinkedIn, where I have this mastermind group of all these people, it's the genesis of that is from Think and Grow Rich, where Napoleon Hill has his mastermind group that he meditates in his mind. I said, oh, I know graphics and illustrator. I will just make my own. And so I started using Photoshop and cutting out people and adding them to my own inner circle and created that. So yeah, Think and Grow Rich is a phenomenal book on just basically on how to be an entrepreneur and how to think like an entrepreneur. Awesome. By the way, is my picture in that mastermind? Because I can no, send you no, a new headshot. Not. Does it, it need to not. be black oh, and mostly, white? Mostly only dead people. Oh, well then maybe don't add me. Don't, don't maybe, add me. Maybe when you're dead. Final question, my favorite question. If you could have any one superpower, what would it be? I could have time travel. Time travel? Forward time. and backward? Doesn't matter? All dimensions, baby. Nice. All right. Well, Travis, you have been a wonderful guest on my show. I appreciate the time you took out to come sit with me and talk with me and blow all of our minds. So now that we're here, this is your chance. Talk about anything you want. What are you promoting? What are you excited about? What do you want people to come and find out about that you're working on? Mm -hmm. Your turn. Pitch us, baby. Right on. Right on. So, you know, you mentioned you've talked about the book Digital Sense. So it is the common sense approach to effectively building social media strategy, customer experience and marketing technology. Brian Solis, he wrote the foreword in the book. Notice we also that. had uh, Peter Shankman wrote a blurb. Scoble wrote a blurb. Brian Kramer wrote a blurb. Marsha Collier, Gerd Leonhard, Scott Brinker, the godfather of marketing technology, wrote a book, said that uh, two thumbs up. Uh, very cool stuff. So that book came out in January. It's called Digital Sense. And the startup that I'm working on right now is called Deep Sea, D-E-E-P-S-E-E deepsea.io. And so it's basically a deep sea inside and out of every topic uh, and uh, identifying who is real and who is not, who is fake. <laughs> and uh, so that's, the, that's that. That's going to be a pretty fun thing. And then, uh, you know, CCP Digital is my agency. We're doing a lot of cool stuff there. Mostly work with B2B clients. So if you're a B2B uh, company that needs a little bit of love, uh, we may have some for you. Very cool. Travis, you're a good man. It's always good to see your face. Uh, hopefully it'll be in person next time. Uh, maybe we'll find ourselves at a conference together or maybe I'll find my way to Kansas City. I hear you guys have good ribs and I love ribs. We have great barbecue here in Kansas City. And actually we have, you know, I don't know, seven or eight different amazing barbecue joint, different companies of barbecue. There's Q39, Jack Stack. Uh, there's Joe's Kansas City. Uh, Gates. There's there's the Arthur Bryant's was the old school one that was down there at 18th and Vine down when the Kansas City Monarchs were uh, uh, multiple uh, Negro League World Series champions. Uh, so Kansas City's been huge on barbecue for a long time, and I eat as much as as I can. I will have a meeting at Jack Stack any time of day. I mean, no, I will. <laughs> Travis, would you like a lunch meeting? Sure, let's go to Jack Stack or let's go to Gates. That's let's fantastic. Go. If I had yeah. access to that kind of barbecue, I would eat as much as I could as well. Yeah, you'd be as fat as me, probably. Well, if with any hope. <laughs> well, everybody out there, thank you for listening. This has been an episode of Shareable, and this episode is incredibly shareable. That was so much fun. I can't even believe the guests that we get. I mean, can you believe the guests that we get? I can, actually. I schedule them. Awesome. Well done. Well, this episode for me was an absolute blast, and I hope everyone listening really enjoyed it. But now that we're in this fun little outro, what should people do next? 
Hmm. I think they should check us out on iTunes. Definitely go check us out on iTunes. And when you get there, subscribe, drop us a review, and then what's that one last thing we want them to do? I don't know. Share the episode. Oh, that's right. That's right. It's in the name. So please share this episode. Tell everyone you know. And we'll see you on the next episode of Shareable. Bye.